Four years ago, I preached a two-part sermon entitled, Pride and Its Antidote. It was four years ago. It has um, become one of the most viewed sermons on our YouTube channel. Not the most, but certainly very high up the list of sermons on our YouTube channel. And I think that's true because pride is such a deadly but elusive enemy. And because of that reality, I think it's time for us to hear that sermon series again. A two-part sermon, Pride and Its Antidote. Pride is repulsive. It is repulsive. And it is easy to spot in others, but nearly imperceptible in ourselves. Unless the penetrating spotlight of the Word of God is shined upon our hearts by His Holy Spirit. C.S. Lewis writes in his book, Mere Christianity, addressing this issue of pride, he says, quote, There is no fault which makes a man more unpopular and no fault which we are more unconscious of in ourselves. And the more we have it in ourselves, the more we dislike it in others. How true that is. Beloved, God has and is accomplishing some pretty amazing things through Foothill Bible Church. We are not great in the eyes of the world by any stretch of the imagination. But God is a work in and among us and is doing things for the glory of the gospel in and through this church. There is much for us to be thankful for. And therein lies our greatest danger. For God will blow this entire fellowship away in the blink of an eye. The blink of an eye if we ever forget that it's about his glory and not about ours. It is his glory, not ours. Many, many great churches, great church leaders have fallen into the dustbin of history because they have forgotten this foundational truth. God will not share his glory with anyone, with anyone. It is highly unlikely that Foothill Bible Church will be overthrown by any outside force that might come against us. In fact, it's more likely that should an outside force be marshaled against us, that that the fellowship would grow closer and stronger. But we are in constant danger of internal strife produced by our own proud hearts. It is one of my regular and and constant prayers for this fellowship and for the leadership that God would help us humble our hearts. Beloved, I never pray that we would remain humble because we are not humble. I pray that God would humble us, that God would humble us. 
This morning, I want to ask and answer three questions. They are designed to diagnose the deadly disease of pride so that we will not be counted among its victims. Three questions this morning. Number one, what is pride? What is pride? There's a limited sense in the New Testament in which pride can be seen as a positive sort of thing. The Apostle Paul, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verses 11 through 15, he, he speaks there about the church at Corinth being proud of him. And, and the Apostle Paul was proud in a, in, a, in a very limited sense of the churches that, by the grace of God, had been planted and believers there living for Christ. Certainly you can see that in his letters to the church at Thessalonica. There is a, there is a limited sense in which it can be a positive thing. But, but generally speaking, and all, it is almost universally and uniformly condemned in the scriptures. Pride. Many of the, the Hebrew and, and Greek words for pride... That are, that are found throughout the Old and New Testament, they convey the idea of being haughty. The idea of being haughty, that is to be scornful or to be self-satisfied, to be haughty. They speak about uh, lifting up oneself. They speak of, of stretching out or straining one's neck. Got to get that idea. Somebody, you know, who's kind of straining their neck and lifting themselves up. They speak of blindness. They speak of arrogance. They speak of, speak of presumption. They speak of insensitivity. These are, the, these are the words the Holy Spirit uses to speak of this evil of pride. One uh, well-known source when defining pride speaks of it this way. Quote, in relation to God, pride is lofty self-sufficiency. In relation to other persons, pride is a haughty lack of concern for their well-being. A kind of scornful idea. So it is a it is a self-sufficient attitude towards God. It is a it is a scornful or dismissive attitude towards our fellow man. These are the manifestations of pride. Pride was the source of Satan's downfall. The source of his downfall. And beloved, I think I'm on solid ground to say that it is the wellspring of all sin. Open your Bible to Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14. And there the prophet Isaiah, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, is speaking oracles of judgment upon the surrounding nations. And in chapter 14, verse 4, 
take up this proverb or this taunt, it says, against the king of Babylon. And so Isaiah, speaking for God, speaks against this king of Babylon, the the world leader of his day, the world ruler of his day. And as Daniel makes clear, these world empires, these world rulers are satanically motivated and driven. And so the prophet Isaiah begins here speaking directly to the king of Babylon, but, but he, he sort of moves beyond the king of Babylon and begins to address the demonic force, indeed Satan himself, who is energizing, moving, motivating, directing the king of Babylon. Much in the same way that in the Garden of Eden, God begins to speak to the serpent and quickly moves through and beyond the serpent to address the evil one who lies behind that serpent, right? Verse 12. Verse 12, we we pick it up here where God is now speaking to the king of Babylon, but through the king of Babylon to that evil spiritual one, Satan himself, who lies behind the king. And he says, How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth, you who have weakened the nations. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God, and I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. Turn to the right to the prophet Ezekiel, who again, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, does the same thing. He, too, addresses, in this case, the king of Tyre, Ezekiel chapter 16. Sorry, Ezekiel chapter 28. I'm looking at chapter 16 and I'm thinking that's not right. Ezekiel chapter 28. Here he addresses the king of Tyre. But again, speaking to him and through him, he addresses Satan, who lies behind his throne. Verse 13, Ezekiel chapter 28. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the ruby, the topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the lapis lazuli, and the turquoise, and the emerald, and the gold. The workmanship of your settings and sockets was in you. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. Do you get the picture here of just splendid beauty? You were the anointed cherub who covers, and I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. By the abundance of your trade, you were internally filled with violence, and you sinned. Therefore, I have cast you as profane from the mountain of God, and I have destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. 
Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I put you before kings that they may see you. Speaks to that time. Back in the dark recesses of of earth history. When Satan, the, the anointed cherub, originally created in beauty, rather than, than glorify his creator, was discontented with his exalted position and, and turned and said, I will be like God. And he became the manifestation, the embodiment of all that is evil, all that is in opposition to God. Pride was the source of his downfall. Pride is the wellspring of all sin. Of all sin. Second question. If pride is this deadly, this dangerous, this wicked, well then what are its symptoms? What are its symptoms? How can I see it in myself? It's easy enough to see in others. This is about seeing it in me. How do I see it in me? I'm going to move through this quickly with you. But what are the symptoms of pride? It begins here. Romans 1.21. Romans 1.21. One of the symptoms of pride is an ungrateful, critical, complaining attitude. An ungrateful, a critical, a complaining attitude. Romans chapter 1, verse 21, the Apostle Paul is laying out the deep, dark descent of man, the destruction of humanity, as they have turned from their creator and begun to worship the creation, and God removes from them the restraining power of his Holy Spirit, and there is no end to the cycle of corruption that will come, the undoing of humanity. But here in verse 21, we, we find the sort of the beginning, the doorway of the wellspring of such evil. And it says, verse 21, For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. Or give thanks. It is a lack of gratitude. It is a thankless heart. It is a critical complaining attitude, critical complaining spirit that is the manifestation of a heart gripped with pride. It is a refusal to admit fault, blame shifting, being defensive and combative. This is a manifestation of pride. Proverbs Chapter 9, and keep your thumb in Proverbs because we'll spend a fair amount of time in the Proverbs. But Proverbs chapter 9, the refusal to admit fault, blame shifting, being defensive, being combative. Proverbs chapter 9, verses 7 and 8. He who corrects a scoffer gets dishonor for himself. And he who reproves a wicked man gets insults for himself. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. 
the scoffer, the one who is lifted up, the one who has exalted themselves above the Word of God is a, is a person who is a locked-down, closed book, a box, unwilling to have anyone speak into their life. Pride, the symptom of pride is a, is a lack of concern for other people, a lack of concern for others. Psalm 123, verse 4. Psalm 123, verse 4. Our soul is greatly filled with the scoffing of those who are at ease and with the contempt of the proud. Proud people are contemptuous people. Contemptuous people. They do not care for others. The prophet Ezekiel now we want to be in Ezekiel 16. So Ezekiel 16, the prophet Ezekiel. Let's, uh, let's take a look at verses 49 and 50. Here the prophet is speaking judgment upon the southern kingdom of Israel, the kingdom of Judah. And he says something quite amazing here. Verse 49, he says, Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. He says, Sodom was your sister, Jerusalem. This was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had arrogance, abundant food, and and careless ease. But she did not help the poor and needy. Thus they were haughty and committed abominations before me. Therefore I removed them when I saw it. Now wait a minute. I thought God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah for the abomination of homosexuality. He did. He did. Some read these verses here and, and would try to say that the Bible is somehow contradicting itself and, and that the reason God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah is because they had no concern for the poor. He did destroy them because they had no concern for the poor, because they were arrogant, because they were haughty. They were lifting themselves up against God and their fellow man, and they lifted themselves up against God by their refusal to live according to the creation designed for men and women. They're arrogant and presumptuous. Listen, arrogance and presumption doesn't walk alone. If you are, you are arrogant and presumptuous towards God, you will be arrogant and presumptuous towards those made in his image. And so, yes, they had no concern for the poor. No concern at all. Another symptom of pride is the desire to be noticed. A desire to be noticed, a desire to be well thought of. Which one of us has not fallen prey to that, huh? The Bible calls it the fear of man. The fear of man. It is the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of wisdom. It is the fear of man that will bring no end of destruction. When we care more what people think of us than what God thinks of us, when we care more for the favorable opinion of our neighbor or our friend or our family member or even a stranger than we care for the favorable opinion of God. Pride has gripped our hearts. The desire to be noticed, the desire to be well thought of. Sometimes we call it the nice guy syndrome. The nice guy syndrome. Just what a nice guy. So pleasant to get along with. So tasteless. 
that it's not even good for the manure pile. Salt that has lost its savor. Another symptom of pride is a, is a self-exaltation. A self-exaltation. Look at me, right? I am a self-made man. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7, What do you have that you did not receive? But if you receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? Listen, if you're smart, and some of you are, if you're big and strong, and some of you are, if you are athletic above the norm, and some of you are, if you are good-looking above the average, and some of you are, if you have long life, and some of you have, do not be proud. Do not be proud. None of these things are your accomplishment. They are a gift of God. They are a stewardship. They, they are on loan to you. What do you have that you did not receive? Self-pity. Another manifestation of pride. Self-pity. Thinking we deserve something. Oh, woe is me. Oh, woe is me. Jeremiah the prophet in Lamentations chapter 3 verse 39 says, Why should any living mortal or any man offer complaint in view of his sin? That's a good question. Self-pity. Beloved, listen. Every day you wake up and you're not in hell. That's a great day. What else do we need? And yet our proud hearts are so often discontented. So often. Pride manifests itself in being unteachable. Or immune to criticism. Or even angered by it. Again, to the left and to the book of Proverbs. Chapter 13 and verse 1. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 1. A wise son accepts his father's discipline, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. A wise son listens, welcomes criticism it is the scoffer who says you got nothing to tell me you got nothing to tell me proverbs 19 verse 20 hear the word of the lord listen to counsel and accept discipline that you may be wise the rest of your days Now, there's a good way to, to give criticism, and there's a less than helpful way to give criticism, to be sure. But a humble man 
will receive it no matter what the package comes dressed in. Pride manifests itself in talking too much. Pride manifests itself in talking too little. Those who talk too much like to hear themselves talk, right? Because they're the only one who has something important to say. You've been with someone like that. At the end of the day, your head feels like an anvil. No dead air time. Tuck, 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 tuck. Or just the opposite. Someone will sit there and will not say a word. Why would I extend myself to you? Why should I speak to you? You haven't arrived at my level. Talks too much, talks too little. Pride manifests itself in a lack of scripture reading. A lack of scripture reading. Pride manifests itself in in a lack of regular attendance among the worship of God's people. Because after all, a proud man doesn't need to hear from God. I know all that stuff. I don't need the body of believers. It's me and Jesus. Foolish man. Foolish man. Pride manifests itself in a lack of biblical prayer. Pride manifests itself in a, in a lack of biblical prayer. That may be little praying. Again, why should I pray? I don't need God's help. Or it may manifest itself in the style of one's prayer. I think of the, the Pharisee in Luke 18, right? Where his prayer was a, was a recitation of his righteousness. A lack of biblical prayer. Pride manifests itself in pursuing God's work your way. Pursuing God's work your way. What does that look like? Well, it can look like this. It can look like jealousy over ministry area or or disciples. These are my disciples. This This is my ministry. Don't anyone come near. I'm doing this for God. Pursuing God's work, God's way can can look like being rigid or or stubborn or headstrong or intimidating when people view ministry differently than we do. Pride can manifest itself in pursuing God's work your way by, by personalizing that ministry. It's my ministry. My ministry. Very dangerous. It is God's ministry for which we should be thrilled and honored that he would condescend to use us for his glory. And yet in the wickedness of our own heart, we turn that around. Turn that around. Some years ago, we had uh, Colin Marshall come and speak with us. Many of you were here to, to remember that. And it's a really instrumental time in the life of this fellowship. And it's still paying dividends, and there are many more dividends to come. But 
but sort of the revolutionary mindset that Colin helped us to, to come to, a biblical mindset, was, was the notion that it is the work of, the ministry is the work of the people of God, not paid professionals, not programs. It is the Spirit of God working in and through the people of God. One of the things that came out of that was the whole one-to-one Bible reading or, or small groups of people reading the Bibles together. How can you do that without an elder or a pastor present? Simple. We are all priests. We have one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. We, those who know him, we have the Spirit of God who illumines us. He is our teacher. It's wonderful to read the Scriptures together. Wonderful. What is pride? What are its symptoms? Third question. How does pride harm us? How does pride harm us? Pride makes us blind. Makes us blind. Pride makes us deaf. Makes us deaf. Pride makes us insensitive to our own faults. Sensitive to our own faults. Remember, we can see it in others plainly, right? But we don't see it in ourselves. It's like somebody who spilled their oatmeal on the front of their shirt. We see it when you do it. Can't see it when we've done it. Blind, deaf, insensitive. Pride is like spiritual leprosy. Spiritual leprosy. Leprosy, the the, the disease of leprosy, it, it deadens and kills the nerve endings. And then without the ability to, to feel pain, without the sensitivity necessary to feel pain, people begin to injure themselves. They, they, they cut themselves. They, they injure their hands, their limbs. They br- even can burn them, and they don't know. And then infection sets in, secondary infections, and, and pretty soon they begin to lose fingers and toes and so forth. That's what pride does. It, it, it kills the spiritual nerve cells. And so, so we're on a collision course. We're, we're, we're maiming ourselves, and we don't even know it. We don't even know it. Pride harms us because it causes us to defend the indefensible. Our own opinions. As if somehow they are now the inspired word of God. I'm reminded of Paul's words to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 22, where he says to Timothy, flee youthful lusts. For a long time when I read that, I I thought he was talking about sexual lusts, you know, young men and all of that sort of thing. Until I finally sat down one day and gave a a closer reading and thinking through the, the passage and the context of the passage. And the youthful lusts that Paul is talking about fleeing there are arguments among young men whose opinions now become the rule of law. We've all encountered that, right? What do young men like to do? Puff up their chest, thump it a few times, and express what they know about the world. 
They are committed to their own opinions. They will defend the indefensible. And they will engage in the most ludicrous disputes. Flee youthful lusts. How does pride harm us? Pride damages and destroys relationships. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10. Proverbs 13, verse 10. Through insolence, that is a lack of respect, comes nothing but strife. But wisdom is with those who receive counsel. Through a lack of respect... And a lack of respect is a manifestation of pride. And so we could fairly say here, through pride comes nothing but strife. Nothing but strife. Damages relationships. It destroys relationships. Two really proud people can't live together. Somebody's got to go. probably the most terrifying of all is that pride sets God against us. Pride sets God against us. Proverbs 15 and verse 25. The Lord will tear down the house of the proud, but he will establish the boundary of the widow. It just doesn't say that the the house of the pride will fall down. It says the Lord will tear down. Do you see that? It's active. The Lord will tear down the house of the proud. Again, I'm reminded of of Hezekiah. You remember Hezekiah, the the good king of Israel? Remember, he he became sick and he was going to die and he he prayed and, and God granted him 15 more years of life. Do you remember Hezekiah? Chapter 39 of Isaiah's prophecy lays this out. After Hezekiah recovers... Some envoys from the kingdom of Babylon come to to check up on him. And and Hezekiah is so proud. You know what? Let's do it. Where are we, Time? We're there. Go to Isaiah 39. I I want you to see this. Isaiah chapter 39. Verse 1. At that time, Merodach Baladan, the son of Baladan. How would you like to carry that name around? Call me MB for short, right? At that time, Merodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that he had been sick and recovered. Hezekiah was pleased and showed them all his treasure house. The silver and the gold and the spices and the precious oil and his whole armory and all that was found in his treasuries. There was nothing in his house nor in all his dominion that Hezekiah did not show them. Hey, check it out. Look what I got. Thus Isaiah the prophet came to King Hezekiah and said to him, What did these men say? And from where have they come to you? And Hezekiah said, They have come to me from a far country, from Babylon. 
He said, what have they seen in your house? So Hezekiah answered, they have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not shown them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and all that your fathers have laid up in store to this day will be carried to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. And some of your sons who will issue from you, whom you will beget, will be taken away, and they will become officials in the palace of the king of Babylon. Repentance moment. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. For he thought, There will be peace and truth in my days. His heart was lifted up. God had exalted him. And proud as a peacock, he showed what his great hand had done. You remember the king of Babylon himself, right? Look at Babylon, this city which I have made. You fool. You fool. Starting tonight, you will begin to eat grass like a cow. God is actively opposed to the proud. James chapter 4, verse 6. Maybe God's only actively opposed in the Old Testament. James 4, verse 6. Jumping into a context, so I'm not going to try that. I'm just going to give you just this, right? God, end of verse 6. God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verb tense. God is actively opposed to the proud, not passively opposed to the proud. God is actively opposed. 1 Peter Chapter 5, verse 5. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Why? For God is actively opposed to, to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Because God is actively opposed to the proud, thus the last way pride harms us is it leads to our undoing. It leads to our undoing. God will not share his glory. He will humble us. He will humble us. And the higher we raise ourselves up, the harder the fall will come. Proverbs 16 in verse 5, everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Assuredly, he will not be unpunished. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 12, before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, but humility goes before honor. Over and over again. Over and over again. C.S. Lewis says again in 
His book, Mere Christianity, quote, As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. Proverbs 15, verse 31. He who listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Beloved, I take no pleasure in this sermon. I take no pleasure. Every time I preach it, I feel my own heart slain, torn open pride that dwells within every nook and cranny. The conscience that accuses me. It's not fun. It's not fun. Pride is a universal sin. Therefore, pride requires a universal cure. That universal cure is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. God sent his son into space and time to live and walk among men. To live a life that I cannot lead, cannot live, that I never could live. To walk in full and absolute humility before his father. And then to be slaughtered on Calvary's cross. That all of the wickedness of my heart, all of that wretched, abominable pride would be laid on his precious brow. In all of yours too, if you know him today. Every manifestation of pride, past, present, and future. Left to myself, there would be no hope in this world. None. If pride is the original downfall and destruction of Satan, and pride has such a grip on me that there's not a day goes by in which its ugly head is not manifest, what hope would I have? What hope do you have? My hope lies in Christ. My hope lies in Christ. He died for me. He bore God's wrath for me. All of the judgment due for my sin, he bore. And all of the judgment due yours, he bore as well. We're coming up on Easter. We'll have a good Friday service. What makes Friday good? In all of the terrible darkness of that day, the events of that day, what makes it good? The sinless Son of God took our sin to Calvary's cross. And when he was nailed there, our sin was nailed there with him. 
when he died, we died with him. And when he rose from the dead to life everlasting, when the life of the age to come coursed through his body, we too have that life. Eternal life is not some future possession. It is now. It is now. Because he lives, we live too. If we have by faith called out to him to save us. Yes, there is an ongoing battle with pride. Yes, the battle is close and at hand and it is, and it is vicious and it is violent. It's like being trapped in a foxhole with your enemy. And you got a K-bar on the ground and one of you is going to come out of the foxhole alive. Be killing sin or it will most assuredly be killing you, right? But listen, the victory has been won in Christ. We are free. If we will make use of the means of grace that God has given us, we can battle pride. We will never be free from it in this life. But we can battle it. And we can see steps of progress. And we can rejoice and long for the return of our Savior in which this terrible battle will finally end. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father, it's the kind of sermon in which we all come under the conviction. There is not a person here who doesn't realize how often and how easily this mortal enemy gains the upper hand. And our Father, without Christ, without his victory on Calvary's cross, without his resurrection power, we would have no hope. But Christ has won. Sin has been conquered. Death no longer holds tyranny over us. He has sent his spirit who indwells us. It causes our heart to love him and long for him and desire to live for his glory. And how we need to hear from his spirit through his word. Moment by moment, day by day, as we walk through this life and do battle in the power of the spirit of God with this mortal enemy. Oh, encourage us even now this morning, our Father, Draw to yourself those who are here who have yet to experience life everlasting through the Lord Jesus Christ. May you use something that was said, even here and now, perhaps even during the week. Bring it together for them, Father. Remove the scales from their eyes. Cause them to see the beauty of Christ. Enable them to believe and flee to the cross of Christ. To find that eternal relief of their souls. Give you the glory in the name of our Savior, 
the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.